it's so good to uh, to be with you this morning. And um, you know, just before I launch into the sermon today, you know, as we get ready, as John has already, or sorry, Matthew has said this week, praise Jesus, the kids go back to school. I have four of them, and we can't wait. We, Brandon's just a baby, but we're waiting. He uh, he's got to stay. He's got to stay back with us. Can't give him to the teachers just yet, but. Uh, you know, as we get ready for this September season, for us as a church, you know, it's, it's one of the things that as we're building back, you know, this last, last September, going from the summer into September, if you would remember it, it feels like four years ago because it's been like we were coming into an unknown season, an unknown time. And it's just so great to mark those seasons and get ready for this next season, which is to look forward to it. I know some of us are maybe apprehensive to even say we're looking forward to it because there could be something else that happens and we're locked in for another 20 years in our homes. But uh, that won't happen, don't worry. But what we're going to be doing as a church, we're building back, we're going to be launching prayer ministry, something that we have not had, you know, after each Sunday, we as a church, we believe in laying hand of hands, praying for healing, praying for you if you've got a need or you just, you just want someone to support you. So we're relaunching our prayer ministry and I ask if you are interested, and I know so many of you are and have asked me and come to me in recent months, but if you're interested in being a part of our prayer ministry on Sunday mornings or throughout the week and praying for our congregation, praying for our leaders, praying for our church. We'd love for you to, very simply, is you can go to the Connect area, grab one of these Connect cards, just put your name and your number, and uh, if you just put, we can see there, Connect groups, and if you're, or sorry, uh, joining a team, and just put prayer ministry, and we will contact you. We're, we're getting together over Zoom. And then we're going to be meeting together for our prayer night and starting a prayer team and prayer ministry. And the second thing is also with launching prayer, we're relaunching our connect groups, right? And so our connect groups are small groups of people that meet in homes right across uh, from Dublin, Mead, Wicklow, Kildare, all around the, the area. We've got, of course, our, our Open Arms Dublin and Open Arms Kildare with a wide range of connect groups. But we're asking if you're interested in leading a connect group or hosting a connect group or just you know saying, hey, I'm willing to, to start something in my home. We, again, love for you to fill out one of these connect, uh, connect cards, a lot of connect stuff, um, and write your, your name, your phone number, and you see connect groups and just write leader. And we're, again, we're going to contact you this week and just organize a Zoom and be giving you the details. But if you're interested in joining a connect group, please fill one of these out. and we It's the best way for us for information, just dropping by the Connect area, filling one of these out. And as Matthew said, um, if you want to save trees, I don't know how, how that works and operates because they've already been printed. But uh, <laughs> you, uh, you can go to openarms.ie and you see there, there's an area for Connect groups. Is that good? So we're excited for this new season and what we're doing. And, you know, this is week three. I'm aware that every time I move, these marbles are making lots of noise. Uh, week three of our series, Finding Rest for Your Soul, based on Matthew 11, 28 to 30. As Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will that's a promise from God. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said in the, Eugene Peterson translated these words in the message translation to read, are you tired? Are you worn out, burnt out on religion? 
Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And so we've been looking at how to experience rest, how to follow Jesus and the way of Jesus, having time with him and practicing Sabbath once a week for 24 hours at a time, every single week. And really knowing and understanding the truth, it is God's desire for you to experience rest. It is God's desire for you to experience rest. When he created you, he placed that desire within you. All of us, we need rest. We yearn for rest. And through Jesus, only our souls can find rest. Our souls will not find rest in any other thing, any book, app, uh, anything that we may pay for or earn or work towards. Nothing else will find rest for our souls, but only Jesus. And so today, I want to go deeper into that. As we looked at time, we've looked at Sabbath. And I want to speak on this title Time for rest. But there's a question mark. Time for rest? And really, this, there's two questions that I want to ask you today. Firstly, is it time for rest in your life? Do you feel like you're at the place, I need rest? And I don't mean a holiday. Because oftentimes we need a holiday after holiday, right? You know, I mean rest within the rhythm of your life. Regular rest. Here's the second question. Do you have time for rest? Do you have time for rest? When you look at your days, how, how would you describe your days right now? As many people today would describe their days as busy, hurried, full, chaotic, stressed maybe. Maybe, maybe you, you feel like your days are, are, are going relatively well, but... But you get to the end of them, and by you get to the end of them, you're just feeling more depleted than you were maybe even a year ago. Maybe you're feeling maybe discontent in certain areas, and it's causing you to spend your days being distracted, being distracted by other people's um, lives, being distracted by the news and what's going on in the world. And you can, we can sometimes, I don't know if you found this, but you can numb yourself and almost get through the day because you're feeling quite out of sync and out of sorts, and we just let the day go by. Maybe you're at the place where you could describe yourself as being drained. When you look at your four tanks, your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual tanks, how are they right now? Do you feel maybe they're depleted? Maybe they're low? When someone asks you a question, how are you doing? Does I'm busy and I'm tired come to the forefront of your mind to describe how you're feeling and how you're doing. Maybe you get to the end of, of the day or you get to the end of the week and you say, I wish I had more time or I wish there was just more time. Or maybe you say, like me, it feels like I've got more things to do at the end of the day than I did when I actually started my day. Maybe you look back at your week, your month, your year, you ask the question, where did my time go? Where has it gone? Let's, let's ask that question. and This is what comes to the marbles in just a moment. Let's ask the question, where does your time go? Think about that for a moment. Where does your time go? And I want to set up this sermon coming from a place of love because I can read the room and I can read some of you already tensing up a little bit, right? So just, it's okay. It's going to be good. We're going to end well. 
We just got to get through a little bit of some stuff that's going to convict you a little bit. It's going to challenge you in a little bit, but I feel it's coming from a place of love because we need to be challenged. Following the way of Jesus is challenging. It is difficult. It is the road less traveled. Because, but, but truly following the way of Jesus, we'll end up in a far better place than we would just following ourselves. So where, where does our time go? When we look at our time, have you been finding the time to be physically healthy? Have you been finding the time to spend with your friends and your loved ones? Have you been finding the time to spend time with Jesus? Have you been finding the time to pursue your dreams and your desires and your goals that you set out maybe on the 1st of January, maybe five years ago, that you're saying, I actually got caught up in so many other things? Or do you look back and say, where did the time go? So to illustrate to you today, I have up here, we, we couldn't find one vase big enough, so we got two, two for the price of one. There is right here 1,301 marbles, we counted them, so trust me, I know some people say, uh, I'm telling the truth now, I'm not just preaching. Um, we got 1,301 marbles here. What does that represent? The next 25 years of your life, you will experience 1,301 weeks. So each marble represents a week of your life. And in the next 25 years, if you can think that far enough, as I think about that, I'll be 60 years old in 25 years. Some of you will be younger, and some of you may not have 25 years. Some of you, maybe you look towards the next 15 years, next five years. Whatever it is, but if you think about it for a moment and ask the question, where do we spend our time in the break? And we've got 1,301 weeks or marbles in the next 25 years. And that question, have you lost your marbles? It actually originates from, from the French. And the French had this saying in French that was, have you lost your marbles? And the English actually took that and translated that to mean, have you lost your mind? But when the French would say these words and that phrase, have you lost your marbles, they meant, have you lost your time? It means, have you lost your time? Or where did you lose your time? Or how have you spent your time? Or where has your time gone? We all have equal time. We have non-disproportionate time to the other. Not based on your race, your, your riches, not based on, on where you're born or where you come from or the language you have. We all have 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in the week, and we have 1,301 weeks in 25 years. So as we look and we ask that question, where do we spend our time? Well, studies have shown, um, and recent studies have shown as they are able to monitor our phone now. If you get that screen time and you look at how much time did I spend last week on my phone, I am... Um, Studies have shown this. Firstly, we spend on average two hours a day on social media. Two hours a day. Now, I know some of you are like, I haven't got social media, so I've got my two hours. But you could actually look at, for me, I spend probably about 10, 15 minutes a day. But the other two, rest of that two hours, I spend maybe just texting or searching on news and reading news or sports or, or maybe just, you know, Googling random things. Like, I don't know if you found yourself doing that. How do you do that? 
maybe you Google, how many, how many weeks are actually in 25 years? And we, we, and we can spend on average, and again, it is average, some is more, some is less, two hours a day on social media. How does that look like in the next 24, 25 years of our life is 108 marbles, 108 weeks, or over two years in the next 25 years are spent on social media. When they looked at TV and television, and just in the last 60, 70 years, this is, television was introduced and we've seen it. It's grown rapidly and rapidly. We have more entertainment at our fingertips than ever before. On average, the average person spends four hours a day watching TV. Four hours a day. That's on average. Over a week. So some of you might be like, I only watch an hour today. But what about when you said, let's just watch one more. Let's binge on Netflix. And maybe it's not like actively watching. Sometimes it can be, that can be for watching in, in the background or having in the background. For others, that mean, you, what is your TV? So many people just watch YouTube these days or watch a YouTube video. Or, or maybe it's idly listening to a podcast. That's my preference and what I do. And I can find myself being entertained, not necessarily receiving information. That is altogether 217 marbles in 1301. That's 217 weeks are spent just watching TV over the next 25 years. That's four years of your life watching TV. So already we've seen that just social media and just TV, if we could see it as just entertainment and just being able to numb ourselves and we say, well, what does it mind? Every spare minute that we have, we pick up our phone and we flick. We can already see that we're spending six years of our life on nothing. Nothing. Then we factor in sleep. The average person sleeps between seven and eight hours a, a night if they can. That, that's somewhere in the region of 400 marbles or 400 weeks over the next 25 years. So that equates to this. Already, as we look towards the next 25 years, we have already spent 14 years of it. 14 years included in sleep. So what does that mean? That means that we've got nine years. Nine years left to use, to be productive, to be effective, to experience life, to enjoy life, to enjoy people, to enjoy food, to enjoy our time. That's 36% of the rest of the 25 years of your life that you have to use it effectively, to experience joy, worship together, experience love. 36% of the 25 years. So as we look at where do we spend our time when we ask ourselves the question, how can we be more aware of the time that we're using? Uh, and I don't mean to make light of sleep. Sleep is so important. Why? Because it helps us to make the 36% more effective. It helps us also to be more conscious and focused to be able to cut down on social media, to cut down on TV, to cut down on entertainment. Instead, use that time uh, uh, to, to actually to be effective. So where else do we spend our time? Where does the 36%, the nine years of the 25 years, where does it go? Well, it goes between pretty much two places. Work and home. Two environments for the majority of our time. Now, some of us have been working from home, so work and home has been the same place. But we work and home are the two environments, the two places where we will spend the majority of our lives. So... I just want for a few moments to look at some areas, particularly sleep, 
home and work. I want to look at some areas and, uh, and the other factors that eats up our time. That when we're just looking at, of course, social media, TV, and the other factors that eats up our time. But we ask the question, here's the question I want you to be thinking about. As you look towards the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. As you ask that question, how can I spend my time more effectively by experiencing more joy, more rest, making a greater impact, and resting on the strength of Jesus to help carry my burdens as I go through life and I experience life? As we ask the question, how can I maybe wake up, become enlightened, to no longer just be numbing and distracting, but actually asking, where am I going to spend my time today? Well, as you look at this next week that's coming up, and don't you see is the week that is just to get by, the week where I have to get things ready, but how can I use my week that it all builds towards my future and actually seeing my dreams and desires being fulfilled? So let's first just talk about sleep for a few moments. Right up until the, the uh, late 1800s, people would go to bed uh, when the sun sets and get up when the sun rises. So there was a natural rhythm of life that we would, we would live by. And it was that we would, in the summer, that we would sleep less uh, and enjoy life more. And in the winter, that we would sleep more. There was this natural rhythm. But that all ended in 1879 uh, when Thomas Edison discovered the light bulb. And uh, I'm just going to ask Matt, would you just close down those shutters a little bit? My eyes are, um, I'm John, would you do that there, there as well? They're like getting blinded there. And right up until this point, the average person slept 11 hours a night. Can you imagine sleeping 11 hours a night? If you ever slept 11 hours a night, you wake up and you're just feeling like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you're, you're almost like you don't know where you are. The average person slept 11 hours a night. But when Thomas Edison, he, he invented the light bulb, 1879, what they were now able to do is actually control light like we just have here. We just control light. And with the ability to control light, they were able to sleep when we wanted and work when we wanted. And what happens from 1879 right through to the 1950s, people began to sleep less. But at the same time, people slept an average of nine and a half hours a night. Some of you, when you were born into Ireland, that was what you would have typically slept. That's what your parents would have slept. You would have just gone to bed because there was nothing else to do, pretty much. And so what we've seen then, fast forward to 2021, the average amount of hours, the average person sleeps is what? Seven hours. Seven hours a night now is known as a good night's sleep. So what we've seen in 115 years, just two generations, we've had a 60% decrease in the average night of sleep. God created us, our physical bodies, to need rest, to need sleep. Is it any wonder that we are more wary than ever before? More exhausted than ever before? More tired? We just look at it from a very practical standpoint because we're sleeping less and we've placed sleep as a lesser priority. Next, we have work. You know, we all know, I don't need to say it, that we have become consumed with overworking. We, we have all come to that place many times. Maybe you're there right now where you're like, I'm working way too much. I need to be able to cut down. And why is this important? It's because the previous generation predicted that 
we would work less, not work more. We've seen in the late 1960s, 1967, futurists and sociologists from all over the world, they studied the trends of modern humanity. They looked at history, where we were, and they looked at technology, and they looked at actually all the things that were coming our way, and they made a prediction. By 1990, each person, listen to this, would only work an average of 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. They thought that our problem, the modern 21st century, our problem that we'd have too much time in our hands. But instead, now we work an average of 40 hours a week for 48 weeks a year, almost twice what they had predicted we would work. And that's just the average. For many, many work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, taking off as little time as possible and overworking ourselves. And the rest of our hours, the rest of our week, the rest of our marbles often are spent worrying about work, recovering from work, maybe being stressed and anxious from working too much. And what happens is we can only take so much time from sleep before we become depleted of our energy, we become weaker, we become sicker. So what happens? Where do we take the rest of our time from in order to work? We take it from our homes. We take it from our homes. We take it from the very environment and place that we should be fighting for, having more time in. We take it from the place where we experience rest, spend time with Jesus. We eat together, enjoy together. We, we, the place where we build intimacy instead, what we're doing is we're robbing from our physical need of sleep, but we're also robbing from our emotional, mental, and spiritual place of home. And so... As we pause for a second, we ask the question, what happened? You know, how did we get here? H how do we get from in two generations sleeping 60% less? How do we get from just in the last 1967, they predicted that we would actually be working half the time that we are now, and we're working double the time. How did we get to the place? We go back to 1950 after we came out of two world wars, after we entered into a time of peace, and the people in power began to study sociology and psychology, and they discovered this. People can be manipulated and convinced to want something that they don't actually need and for the very first time we see that they could revolutionize economy they could revolutionize prosperity in the world itself and where did it originate it originated from a man called Sigmund Freud and Sigmund Freud he was one of the founding pioneers of of of, of certain theories of psychology and and the one man who listened to Sigmund Freud and adopted all of his principles was Hitler. Hitler and the Nazis was able to use Freud's uh, way of thinking and psychology to convince a nation to do something that otherwise they would not have wanted to do. And it was all based on two emotions. I want and I fear. And so they were able to discover, to use propaganda to be able to convince people to do something that they would not otherwise want to do. And then it was Sigmund Freud's nephew. His name was Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays traveled from Germany to America, and he became the father of advertising, which is the greatest propaganda in the world today. And for the very first time, we heard this, this terminology used and this phrase that was coined called consumerism. 
Consumerism was just introduced in the mid to late 50s and is defined as the protection or promotion of the interests of consumers, which is completely ironic because it does not protect consumers in any way. It's all about the seller. But remember, we looked at the, the stat where we'd be working less. Where, how do we get here? We got here because of consumerism, of because of wanting things that we don't actually need. Caused us to work more. Why? Because we need to earn more to buy the things that we want, to get the things that are larger, bigger, newer. That's how we got to this place. We replaced familial values, being with family, for materialistic values. We became consumed with consumerism. Dave Ramsey famously said, we spend our lives buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> it's so true. We're all caught up in this, consumed by consumerism. Famously, John Rockefeller, one of the richest men in history, he was asked this question, how much is enough? And he replied, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. We're all living in a society in the world where we just want more. More money. To have more stuff. More clothes. A newer phone. More technology. More, more things that we maybe convince ourselves that we need, but really do we? And for us, instead, to be content with what we have, to be content with who we have, to, to not be so focused on what others have, but instead of embracing what God has given us. And, and, and hear me in this. Things are, are not bad. I love clothes, technology. I love enjoying entertainment. I love all these things. But it's the pursuit of these things that will destroy our lives. It's the pursuit of them, being filled by them, being driven in order to see those desires fulfilled that actually steals us from enjoying our families, enjoying what we have, having fun, laughing. Why? Because we're so stressed and caught up in order to work more, to get more. Unfortunately, this isn't the end of the story. We see then what happened in the Consumerism began to rise in the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. And we see, you know, Ireland in particular, it went from a developing second world country to one of the wealthiest nations per capita in the entire world. And so what happened in the 90s to the 2000s, we've seen that there was a massive increase in pop culture, television, music. There was a dot-com bubble that, with the introduction of the internet. And what we've seen is this big, large infusion where our attention began caught up with one word called entertainment. Let me entertain you. We all heard Robbie Williams say that, that word, those words, and it, we have been filling our lives with entertainment ever since. Every waking moment, every spare minute, sitting on the toilet, driving in the car. When we're with our spouse, when we're with our children, what do we do constantly being distracted, being numbed by entertainment? This all really came to a head in 2007. In 2007, a famous man called Steve Jobs created what? He created the iPhone. It's a computer in your pocket. We've seen here for the very first time, we now have become symbiotic with AI. We've become almost so that you do not leave this from your hands. Always. 
Everywhere you go, even around the house, I don't know if you do this, everywhere you go, it's probably with you right now. You know where it is. You know, they've actually done studies where they've discovered now, in particular millennials and Gen Z, when the phone is, is even within the same room as the person who owns it, their anxiety and stress levels are higher than it would be if their phone was nowhere to be found. It has become something that we have become consumed by. And in 2007 was a particular important year because it was also the, the year that Facebook was brought out to the public. It was the year that Twitter started. It was the year that they first discovered the cloud. It was the year that the App Store was launched. It was the year that so many massive technological advances um, had come to light. And it was also the year and the time that marked pre-Wi-Fi and post-Wi-Fi. We could not imagine a time of ever not having internet access. In fact, the average iPhone user picks up their phone 2,617 times a day. The average user. Most likely you. <laughs> and I, why am I saying all of this and getting this information? What has it got anything to do with the Bible? Because it's about your life. And your life matters. And what you do with your time and where you spend your time and where you're going to spend the next 1,301 weeks of your life, you need to ask the question, where does my time go? Is consumerism and entertainment bad? No. But being consumed by them is. And what happens is when we... This is really the sad part. The sad part is that it steals our time away. And in particular, and to bring this to really a Christian perspective, what has happened is our spiritual life and priority has got placed way, way down. And we say things like, I wish I had the time to spend with Jesus. Wish I had the time to go to church. Wish I had the time to pray and read my Bible. And God is screaming, you have all the time that you need. You don't need more time. You need to be conscious of where you're spending your time. You need to be mindful of where you're spending. You need, we need to become aware and awoken as a church and as Christianity that, you know, being driven by the need for things and being filled with entertainment and always watching or listening or having that next thing or always needing to be up to date with news and what's happening and who came out with what, that's all secondary our spiritual lives, to being with Jesus, growing in Jesus, filling our lives with Jesus. And all it is, it's becoming conscious, it's becoming aware of this and realizing that this is not the life that Jesus intended for us to live. When he said that you will have life and have it to the full, he didn't mean that you would have it to the full where you would feel like you're drowning. He didn't mean to live a life where you're distracted by distraction. Where you look back on your week and your year and your life and you say, where did my time go? But to live a life, firstly, he is your priority. He is the one who's meshed into the fabric of your life and he fills your life. You know that from that place, I can enjoy my life. I can enjoy the things of life, but not being consumed by those things, but instead being consumed by Jesus. And this way that we're living is not working. Having 36% of the next 25 years of your life is not good. 
Spending two hours a day on social media, four hours a day watching TV. And hey, you may not do those things, but I'm telling you now, you are spending it somewhere. And I'm sure it's not effective. There is a way that we can follow. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. He is the one in which we can follow. We can read his words in the Gospels. We can see him right throughout Scripture. We see the way that God has called us to live. The commands that he says, if you would obey me and follow them, you will live a blessed life. You will have a blessed life. And Jesus says in this place 2,000 years ago, Matthew eleven twenty, 20, he says, come to me. When you're weary, when you're tired, when you're in need, come to me. Spend your time with me. Open up your day with me. Begin with me. And what will I do? I will give you rest. I'll show you the way. I'll give you my yoke. I'll I'll show you and disciple you and teach you how to live this life. How to be a father who's loving and not stressed. How to be a mother who's there and is able to be in present and aware, not always distracted. How to be a husband or a wife that's glued in to, be, to intimacy and building on that, not just turning on the TV. And I'm speaking to myself here, right? This is not one who has mastered. I get my wife up here. I should tell you exactly what I can be like. And I, I'm one who knows the importance of it. Why? Because I know how important it is for me preaching to myself, I get so caught up, so stressed, so busy, it's easier to numb myself than it is to wake up and actually get myself back in order again. And here's what we sang about the grace of God. The grace of God is he gives you what you don't deserve. He's the God of start again. Start again. We're coming up to the 1st of September, this Thursday, 1st of September. Hey, I'm going to start again 1st of September. This is the new me. This is the new day. Uh, this next season is going to be a season where I'm conscious of my time. I'm going to use it effectively. And when I drift, which you will, and when I go back to the old me, and when I get into the old practices, I'm going to come back to Jesus. Just come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The message says, come away with me. Remove yourself. Practice time with Jesus. Practice Sabbath as we looked at last week on a weekly basis. Make it a priority. Choose to turn to Jesus. Choose to turn to him first. To remove yourself as the message translation, verse 29 says this. When you turn to Jesus, when you choose Jesus, you will recover your life. I love that. You will recover your life. Those things that you may have lost. The time that you have spent and wasted, you'll recover it. For it's better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. God can redeem you. He can restore you. He can bring back what the locusts had eaten. Nope, he can restore it to you and your family and your children and your loved ones and your friendships. He can restore it. He can bring it back. Once you make the decision, I'm going to start again in Jesus. The NIV says, I will give you rest. The Amplified Translation says, I will cause you to rest. I'll ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Rest is an interval of silence even in the midst of madness. He'll bring that rest. He'll bring that calm. That no matter what happens, we follow the way of Jesus.
So here's three things. We'll be talking about these the last number of weeks. Three things that I want each of us to do. Firstly, remove yourself. Find a time and a place to be with Jesus. Come away with me. Get, get away with me. Just find a time for 30 minutes. Turn off this thing. Turn off everything around you. Put on headphones if you have to. Spend time with Jesus. Be with him. Read his word. Or just sit. Just say these words. Jesus, I'm coming away with you. Speak to me. Touch my heart. Touch my life. We've got worship music at the touch of our fingertips. If you don't know what to search, you search for a playlist, whatever it is. We've got all the resources that we need to be with Jesus. The answer is not to be permanently removed from the world. The answer is not to be anti-entertainment. Not to be anti-consumerism. The answer is to follow the way of Jesus. To live a life that's modeled after him. And then to be in the world but not be of the world. To enjoy these things but not be consumed by things. Here's the second thing. Practice Sabbath. We talked about this last week and if you were... If you, you missed it, you can go onto our, our YouTube channel, Open Arms, or listen to our podcast. But it's so important, see, that the command that God gave us to practice Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments, to take out 24 hours in our day to rest, to be, to prepare for it. And we asked last week, what's going to be your day that's your Sabbath? Hey, mine starts tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for it. Tomorrow, I got, we're organizing a skip, and I'm going to get out in my back garden, and I'm going to work my butt off. Why? Because that I enjoy that. It's the opposite of what I actually do, which is more mental and spiritual and emotional. I'm going to do something physical. That's what I'm going to enjoy tomorrow. I'm preparing for it. It's my Sabbath. When's your Sabbath? When are you just going to be and enjoy? And here's the third thing. Something we don't talk enough about in church, but it's so biblical. It's so foundational. Think of your goals. What's your dream? What's your desire? What's your passion? If there was no boundaries, if there was no restrictions, and I said to you, next 25 years of your life, 1,301 weeks, this must represent just the next, I don't know, 12 weeks, next three months. Where could you, if you could, where would you spend your time? If you could set out your goals today, where I want to be, what I want to achieve, what I want to do, what map do you need to make out in order to get there? Be conscious. Where am I spending my time? Where does God want me to be? Who's God? Maybe challenging me things to stop, or to let go, or to leave, and to focus on. Think of your goals, and it will give us a focus as we ask the question, how can I spend the time effectively? So I'll finish with this. Is it time for rest? Is it time for rest? Are you at that place where you need rest? Your soul cries out for it. It yearns for it. And do you have the time for rest? I would say the answer to that question is yes. You do. But you may not need to be conscious of it.
So why don't we just close our eyes for a moment. In this atmosphere, each of us, there, there is none of us who, who is doing this and mastering this. No one. Each of us have the same amount of time. And I believe that each of us have been called by God to be the man and the woman who he's created us to be. To use our time for his glory. To live our lives in such a way of following the way of Jesus. But maybe you need to start again. Experience the grace of God. So I wonder, just with your eyes closed, your head bowed, I just want to pray with you a, a prayer which I'm asking you just to repeat under your breath. If you're in that place where you need rest, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm drowning. I'm suffocating. I'm struggling. Struggling with the madness of my life. My soul yearns for you. I need your rest. Help me to follow your ways. And to be more like you. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to confess and repent of your sins. And if that's you, just say it today. Jesus, I choose to follow you. To give you my life. For the rest of my days. In Jesus' name.